Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and Sean's Spooktacular Horror Month 2021 marches on. And Sean, this week we're, we're doing something special because normally we choose a, uh, like a single filmmaker that we, we kind of dive into uh, their, their films. And this time you decided to go with the theme of Black Hats, namely yeah. every single adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat that we'd get our hands on. Well, this was uh, a, an idea that we had uh, been talking about for a while. I think I floated it uh, earlier in the year, many months ago, just as something like, oh, that would be fun. Um, and then when we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about this month, it seemed like a good suit. It, you know, it makes sense. And... You know, you are a Fulci completionist now, so this yeah. is just another another thing for you to check off here. And uh, Myros, he decided to sit out because uh, he's a he's a dog guy. At he, the well, end of the day. yeah, yeah. He, I think, he was kind of afraid of it, like kind of like uh, you know, uh, Bella Lugosi in Homer's adaptation. Um, so I think he was a little spooked out, which is yeah. understandable. Totally understandable. Makes perfect sense. Uh, but we do have joining us this week. We got Jack Easton back. Always a pleasure. We do. Who else do we have? Uh, regrettably, Jake. All right. Meow. <laughs> Great. And now All that right. we got them well, out of the way, uh, Steve, how's yes. it going? I, it's, it's going great. I'm glad you're, I, I mean, the two most important people, this is who needs to be talking right now, right, Sean? That's right. <laughs> Although, anyway, I will, I will admit that it's a little hard for me to talk. I uh, had a, I was just playing basketball before we were recording this and uh, had a traumatic hit to the throat. Oh, you got a, a bruised larynx going there? Are you yeah, doing just... too much trash talking? Someone decided to take you to, <laughs> take you to task? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Find yourself in a real uh, Van Gundy, Latrell Spreewell situation? I was like, you could build a house with all of these bricks that you're shooting right Whoa. now. I think chopping someone in the throat wow. is just one technical, right? Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. I don't know. I, I got kicked off a basketball court because I uh, I dipped the ball in gasoline and lit it on fire and then yelled, boom, shakalaka. They, asked, they just asked me to leave. I think it's bullshit, but what do I know? Uh, yeah, Jesus. Anyways, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like brutally hungover today because we, uh, we, we had our friends with, with dogs came over and we had like six dogs running around in our backyard uh, dressed like skeletons. And uh, that, was, that was a good time. But I, uh, I, did, I did drink a little too much. Did you know that Jepson's Malort makes a bourbon now? Oh, Christ. What? That's... Yeah. Is it and good? Wait, here's the kicker. It's cheap. It's less than 20 bucks and it's good. Not That's even awesome. joking. Like interesting. Good, good. Are the dogs hungover? Yeah. Uh, the dogs are pretty hungover. We uh we we bought a, a giant Costco bag of begging strips and just fucked them up on weird smelly meat blobs. Nice. So yeah. That's how we do it. You bring your dog over here, we treat him right. So anyways, uh guys, let's just jump into it, man. Uh <laughs> this is kind of fun because I, I read the, I read Poe's Black Cat again for the first time probably since like high school. Uh, but it was wild seeing all these different interpretations <laughs> of the black cat. And, and I think the thing that stuck out to me the most is almost none of them are, are really, truly faithful adaptations. I mean, we're going we're gonna to talk about a few that kind of are, but some of these go off the rails in um, wonderful, bizarre ways. And I, I think one of the most iconic <laughs> black cat movies is... Uh, Ulmer's from 1934, which is incredible. But aside from having a black cat in two or three scenes, it uh, it doesn't really share a lot with the post story. Yeah, it seems to be a common thread. I'm I'm no uh, I'm no whiz on the story, but uh, uh, it it seems shoehorned in uh, for the sake of 
uh, I don't know, marketing maybe for this uh, decade or I don't is know. Is Poe that hot? Is he that hot he, of a commodity he was, here? I, I think, you know, the, the early horror cycles were always playing back to classic literature and theater. So, they, yeah, they try and just like, you know, it's Poe. I mean, this continued into the 60s. I mean, like Witchfinder General was re-edited in America to make it a Poe movie. They just stuck a quote in somewhere, I think, you know, like nonsense, even though it's not in any way. A couple of those films got repackaged so, so it's not like this even ended near to 1934 but yeah i i really i really uh love the idea of some student a real stupid student he didn't realize that the short story is like 14 pages long and way quicker to read than watching a movie so he thinks he's getting one over and everyone <laughs> and he chooses to watch ulmer's black cat and do his book report on that instead of actually reading the story and his teacher just sends him to the school nurse assuming that he's on drugs because there's no there's no <laughs> overlap here, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But as you say... Although, uh, Omer's is not that long, though. Um, no, I mean... Yeah, 65 it's, minutes. No, it's, it's super short. It's just, you know, the, the, you could read the story four times, probably in the same time. But yeah, this, <laughs> this is all very snappy. But uh, there, there's a lot to recommend in this. This is just... God, those, those universal horror movies are just... Like, for 65 minutes, they an enormous amount of stuff in considering they were quote-unquote cheap movies they look incredible and you just get Bela mm -hmm. Lugosi and Boris Karloff basically at the height of their powers playing against each other as arch nemeses like this is just a kick-ass movie oh yeah it's it's great they're so good in this too uh, yeah. and they're just constantly like one-upping each other chewing the shit out of scenery and seeing who can be the more you know, lecherous, sexy old man, and uh, that's that's the kind of cinema I like to consume. I mean, let me tell you, like, uh, like the first handful of scenes of Boris Karloff's are, or yeah, Boris Karloff's are um, just him, like, with his head tilted at like a forty-five degree angle, just like standing there with a straight face, and uh, it it's pretty spooky. I mean, obviously, Ulmer shoots it effectively, um, and sometimes it's like behind like gauzy curtains or you know behind a door opening but um that's all you had to do obviously the gray haircut but... yeah it's, oh, it's telling us yeah. that like in this era boris karloff was just credited as karloff he's just he was the, the icon <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean this uh, this kind of feels like it opens a little bit like the old like james wales the old dark house it's kind of got that kind of sensibility which became i guess kind of a horror trope i don't even know if wales the old dark house was the originator of it but certainly came a few years prior to this i think and is uh you know essentially a young lovely couple uh, are on a train and they meet a bela lugosi playing bela lugosi who i have great affinity for but like he was he, like <laughs> it's he's a star it just whatever he is he's bela lugosi and you are you're either on board with that or not anyway they they, they have to get off at a station they drive the car crashes so they have to take refuge in this other house and that's where the whole thing unfolds and we find out there's all kinds of twists and turns an enormous number for the hour or so that we spend with them um but yeah, this is just there, there's just so many things in this. There's so the the like the the horror that's unveiled here, considering the production code was kind was in effect by thirty four. Um, this is like mm -hmm. I mean, someone gets flayed alive. Uh, there's all kinds of like God the Freudian sexual angles here, keep you up at night. All kinds of stuff happening. It's it's wild, and it pretty much comes down to there's a satanic cult. That's right, satanic cult. Why not? And uh, none of this is in the original short story, by the way. For anyone who's anyone who's trying to keep tabs, absolutely none of it. No, and it really, well, no, no. The only thing that's in the short story here is there is a titular black cat, uh, although it does not play a really prominent role other than making Bella Lugosi go. Aah! Yeah, it's pretty. Like twice. Yeah, is scared. We should we should say it's. Uh, it's merely a film that's been suggested by the short story of uh, by Edgar Allan Poe. It's not a, a not quite a direct there's adaptation. There's a lot of power in suggested yeah. by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, all you need. Yeah, that's that's really all you need. And I guess, I mean, I, nobody gets uh, stuck behind a wall, but there is a woman in a glass case. Yeah, he so... taxidermies women and just keeps them. Uh, Karloff yeah, does, as you and, do. he, and he keeps Lugosi's character's daughter, and they're they're like antagonists from the from a war. I don't know if it's a real war or not. But oh, it's like set in Hungary, the, uh, somewhere. Yeah, it's the uh, it's like 
like the Austria. Okay, so it's like Austria-Hungary troops, and it's uh, they they were like prisoners during World War One, basically. But if you want to get down to how evil is Boris Karloff in this movie, okay? Uh, really, people are truly underselling their villains, and it, you you can't you can't go as hard as fucking Karloff goes in this. So, uh, Karloff was he was he like commanded these troops, and they were stationed in this you know fortress or whatever during World War One. He sells them out to the enemy. All the troops go to a fucking Serbian prison camp. And then after they all go to the Serbian prison camp, he marries Bela Lugosi's wife and takes in the daughter. She dies. So he taxidermies her. The wife. Keeps her the in wife a glass dies. case. Yeah, the wife. Then marries the daughter and builds this like fucking fancy art deco <laughs> home on top of the fortress where he like sold out house. all of his troops to die that's some it's, baller it's got fucking this shit like the whole movie has this incredible like ruins of europe feel to it like it's it's yeah. just oh, you yeah. know layers upon layers of antagonism and ill feeling and betrayals and terrible mm. behavior and yeah this house comes to embody all of it like there and that's what's really great about it and how this is constructed a lot uh, several of the really great horror movies of this era have this they can seem to just kind of tap into a shorthand that allows them to make in 65 minutes a movie that that kind of kind of gets its hooks into all kinds of incredible dark violent subject matter and disturbing things and you know kind of like plays around in it in just enough that really like your mind really can go anywhere in it and it's really fantastic the way that it, it all plays out this is just like like frankly this is uh black hat is is frankly one of i think one of the better of the universal horror movies i've seen and they're all mm -hmm. very good but this one is right for me close up to to dracula and frankenstein um it's just got it's got everything what more what more do you want than lugosi and karloff just trying to kill each other but politely for an hour <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty much it. and and i love i love the manners of everyone too like bella lugosi's coming back to kill boris karloff because you know all the aforementioned things um and he doesn't just walk in and kill him like no no i gotta bide my time here waiting for the right moment <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna just kind of dance around the whole thing you know play a game of chess over here and and then Karloff is, oh yeah, you know, you just you just stay in my beautiful home. And then the only time he really gets upset is when someone interrupts his chess game, which is understandable. Um, but God, yeah, it's just fun to watch those guys just on screen, just jawing at each other. Uh, the the natural competition between them as actors is just it's it's incredible to watch. And then you, and so. then you have the American, you have your young couple in love who are like Americans who are like squeaky clean naive little fools and it's like that old world new world divide it's just, like there's a comic element to it too in that Karloff and Lugosi I say are just spend the entire movie just like snarling at each other while maintaining some level of decor until everything goes out of control and then these the two American couples are kind of like something's wrong here but I don't know what so let's have tea you know yeah <laughs> It's it's like this yeah they're supposed to be this you know kind of newlywed young couple but this is like the least horny couple I've ever seen on screen. It's just complete wholesomeness the entire time. Uh, well, and, and even even when uh, the the American wife she gets all drugged up and then kind of wanders in and you're like oh what's she gonna do is she gonna you know no she just doesn't do much so zero horniness in this movie at all. Zero horniness but a lot of unconscious women. Yeah, that's yeah. See, the, the the only horniness is coming from I don't know, like Lugosi and uh, Karloff seeing who can be the weirder, like lady sniffer person. <laughs> that's about it. But yeah, I yeah, it's a great flick. This is it's this, yeah, it's great. And it's you want to see great. two titans just go head to head politely, mind you. Uh, this politely. is the film for you, and uh, like it's like that. You know, people say, "Oh, I love X actor. I could just watch." him read a phone book you could say oh i love these two i could literally just watch them play a game of chess and buddy have i got a movie for you that's right
Um, it also it also ends on a very good um, uh, joke that, uh, like the rest of the movie, Ulmer is like smart enough to kind of leave it ambiguous, like not hit you over the head with the joke. Um, this couple, like, well, the guy's like, this couple is like the framing device of the movie, but uh, and he's a novelist and just like uh went through this thing and then gets a review of one of his novelists and they're like no one would ever believe this actually happened and he just kind of <laughs> looks at his wife it, it really is a great ending too because minutes before boris karloff is having his like face just fucking skinned off of him yeah. and then uh bell lugosi is shot and then pulls a lever so the entire house blows yeah, up. Yeah, the house is self And then you get this little mechanism. gag at the end. Yeah, it's, it's great because, God, these two idiots kill Bela Lugosi by accident, for yeah. fuck's sake. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real fucking sloppy, guys. Uh, yeah. But th- there, is a, there is a couple of good comedy moments in here, though. Like, you know, the aforementioned the story thing, and then the, the American husband is, at one point, he's like, yeah, I'm a novelist. I write mysteries. And then he spends the rest of the movie just not knowing what the fuck is going on at all. He cannot yeah, pretty, figure it out. He's pretty slow on the uptake. His wife wanders into half of the, like, serious situations. Yeah. And then there's this other, like, absurdist gag that happens where the police show up. And then they just get into this argument over which small town in, like, the Austrian countryside is better to visit. <laughs> It just goes on and on and on. Meanwhile, you've got the, you know, the chess playing high priest of, of Satanism over here, just standing around waiting to uh, trap a woman in glass again. So yeah, it's, it's really great stuff. There's, there's nothing bad you could say about this movie. I don't think. Uh, well, and, and then on the other side of the coin, if you're talking black cat adaptations that kind of go off the rails, what if I told you, dear listener, that in 1989, as the Italian film industry was kind of in its death throes, basically, uh, they put out a movie called The Black Cat that is both a sequel to Demons, (laughs) the series that we covered last week, (laughs) and sort of a sequel to Suspiria unofficially? I mean, no, no, but yeah. how unofficially, to the point where it says it is in I the film. I don't know. It says it's a sequel. It's, yeah, they mention it in the film, and then they play the fucking song. And then Goblin like, score times. plays. I, I don't oh, even man. know where to begin. So this one gets to be called The Black Cat because it, it's about, <laughs> I mean, it's about the, the film industry, essentially, and there's this woman, she's an actress, and in the beginning of the movie, she's acting in a the adaptation of the black cat and she's on set. And then after that, it's just kind of all the post stuff goes to the background. We don't, we don't really need that anymore. Uh, but this is fucking insane. It's one of those movies where if, if someone was like, what is this about? And I, I, I would not be able to string together a coherent sentence to explain what this is. It's just Look, a, a goopy. Let me try. I'll tell you what it's about. I can try. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Sean. I mean, you can try for real, Jake, if that's what you wanted to do. I was going to say, it's <laughs> about the Italian film industry in 1989. <laughs> it's entirely it. It's just goopiness, uh, longing for a past that can never exist again, and um, goofy butt rock. Yeah, we got. Oh, a lot of that. <laughs> and neon colors. Heck yeah, yeah. This has mm-hmm. got a white line on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's this is this is classic Luigi Cosi, and I, I always mean to watch more of Cosi's films because every one of them I watch is simultaneously delightful and also the most hackneyed thing I've ever seen. <laughs> did he do Paganini horror? He yes, did, he yes. Did. yes. And he, did, yeah. he also did very he also did Star Crash, my favorite Star Wars movie, <laughs> which mm. is uh, phenomenal. Uh, basically, a porno with no sex. Like that's the vibe throughout the entire film it's love that. insane looking oh that's good and yeah they, they seem to come about that basically i guess cozy who who is who has worked he's written for dario argento they've worked together closely on numerous occasions they're obviously you know uh, familiar and so on but i guess cozy just got impatient that argento had this two parts of a trilogy made with suspiria and inferno and he's just like 
I'll, you know what, I'll finish it. Why not? As you do. Like, I, you know, I'll just finish this. And he made a movie that is, as, I, as we mentioned, in the text of the movie, they mention that they are basically going to make a movie that is a sequel to Suspiria. And uh, that's what the film ostensibly is. It's about the making of that movie. But there's, there's a real witch that's there. Um, trying to trying to sum up the, the kind of like uh, who's who in this. There's, there's a witch and a fairy. And then there's the actors. They are the actress, the main actress. And then and after that, really, their relationships become unclear. But this, um, I, guess, I guess if I wanted to sum up this movie, I would sum it up by saying that early in the film, there is a scene where the actress is in her regular house, just hanging out, and the only two sources of light in the shot are a telephone, which is neon green and illuminated for some <laughs> reason, and a vase and a vase <laughs> of flowers, and the flowers are all lights. For no particular reason, there's no comment on that. I think they're supposed to be real flowers, but they are a light source. That's what this movie is. It's just lights uh, everywhere. It's just an insane-looking <laughs> film. The Black Cat. It's just, it just lights. lights. It's just lights and green <laughs> and slime. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of green slime. It's uh, Yeah, so it, there's this director and this producer, and they decide they're going to make a film that I think also like 1934's Black Cat. It's going to be loosely suggested on Poe's short story, and they even like quote it in the film. That's right. And then it turns into this picture about an actress who's going to portray a demon named Lavana. And there's this scene early on where she looks in the mirror and says, I'm going to be the greatest Levana ever. And then the real Levana comes out of the mirror and says, no, you're not. And then starts oh, vomiting wow. green goo on her. And then, yeah, we just get these weird, like, dream logic neon lit sequences that are, like, very stunning and confounding in the best way possible. And uh, the movie just kind of carries on like that for the next 70 minutes and then it ends. It's pretty yeah. This it's is pretty basically great. Uh, Heath Ledger's <laughs> Joker uh, the mythos of oh that <laughs> as a film. It's like she descends into madness to yeah. play Lavana. Um, and yeah. also this movie is exactly as accurate as all the stories about Heath Ledger getting so dark with the Joker that he ended up killing himself, which is complete nonsense. Frankly, even more unbelievable than a good chunk of this movie. Now, people don't understand that Heath Ledger died because he popped two Valium and then the ghost of Cesar Romero came out of a mirror <laughs> and just fucking strangled him. So you know. I uh, I really like that uh, one of the pro I think it's the producer has like is like in his his like home office at the computer this like 1988 or whatever computer and next to his desk is this huge dinosaur like stuffed animal for some reason uh, that's just like huge but um but yeah I mean it's basically like the rhythm of the movie is like. What this woman is seeing uh, seems strange to her and horrifying. Will it turn out to be a dream? Yes. <laughs> is it? I, like, it's hard to keep up with it eventually. Well, yeah, it's... It, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's like, th that's my, like... But it's really just about having sure, fun. Sure, yeah. I, I yeah, mean, but, my reservation yeah. about this movie, and I'm maybe not as, as hot on this one as you guys, although I still, it's definitely, it's it's well worth... Seeing. And it was it was nice to see it. It's since been released in like on Blu-ray. The last time I saw this movie, it was like a real cruddy copy, so it's even harder. Like it was like maybe I maybe this should make sense, and it just it looks too bad for me to figure it out. No, absolutely <laughs> not the problem. Uh, shining it up looks nicer, still doesn't make any damn sense. It, it, the, the film just kind of pre presupposes so many kind of and like the the actress's descent into madness there is no descent it's just immediate it's like at immediate yeah, madness. it's like at dinner they're like you're gonna play levana the witch and it's like okay maybe that'll be something and then levana the witch jumps out of the damn mirror and next thing it's like oh something crazy's happening um and then there's a whole other subplot about her husband who's a director who's apparently this one thing I think was really funny because I'm guessing this is probably veiled at Dario Argento, but I, I can't help but cause he might have been like inserting himself a little bit into it too, too. They spend a bunch of time talking about how his husband or her husband is like basically deemed to be just an absolute towering genius of cinema worldwide. 
And meanwhile, he makes schlocky witch films, apparently. And I'm like, even Dario Argento, at the height of his powers, was not considered one of the, like, titans of the art world. It's not like he was being brought into Khan and everyone was like, oh my god, it's a Dario Argento movie. It's like, no, they were being, like, <laughs> cut up and thrown on VHS in America somewhere. Um, kind of, kind of a funny self-insert thing there. But yeah, it, the, the whole movie just... Uh, like it, it basically it's kind of moving along kind of normally for like literally five minutes and then it's just like uh just chaotic zigzag of events there's no rhythm there's no tempo there's no logic and there's a pleasure in that but at a certain point you're also like man maybe maybe they should have like figured something out like it almost feels like they improved <laughs> this movie <laughs> it just stuff happens yeah yeah well and there's there's moments too where you know, like, I, I think during probably the first three-fourths of the movie, one of the things that stuck out to me, I was like, oh, there's there's really not a lot of gore in this. It's it's pretty, like, there's goopy fluids, yeah, for like sure. like pea soup vomit, but that's, yeah, the extent yeah, of it. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> frothy pea soup, but not a ton of blood. And and I feel like at some point, Kazi was just like, oh, shit, how are we going to remedy this? <laughs> oh, I'm going to make this woman's chest explode in the most horrific way possible. <laughs> so... And and it's another thing too where it it's not in service to anything. It's just like I want to do this cool fucking thing. So if this woman's gonna die, let's make her chest explode. Why does the witch make her chest explode? Why not? Why not? It's a cool way to die. And that's pretty much the the wave this movie is riding is just kind of like fuck yeah. it. What's cool? Uh, What's like weird? The, let's do the it. The visual bombast of this actually it, it reminds me a little bit of Johnny Toe's heroic trio, like the wildness of it, and also the witch, like the subterranean witch layer has a similar kind of a vibe. It's all like fog and colors and kind of you know like an amorphous space. Um. But but I must say it's kind of amazing because if anyway if you've seen the heroic trio you know it's not it's not the most uh, tightly plotted film and yet compared to this it it really feels like you're like oh yeah heroic trio makes it a lot of sense when you think about it this has just got no thread through it other than the like a kind of general sense that you know madness or or fraying sanity. And we, we have no idea at the mm -hmm. end of it. I mean, she uncovers a plot where the movie producer they're going to is, in fact, actually in sway to the witch. Maybe, I, you know. I just, Maybe. I his, know. his house gets real dusty at some That's point. That's true. And then and they just shoot him <laughs> a lot. Like, like it, does, it really does feel like they just walked up to the special effects guy and it's like, hey, can you just whip up, like, some gunshot squibs? We just decided we'll do that. Can you whip up an exploding woman today? Like, it, I don't know. Like, the whole <laughs> thing just feels like... It was just written on a napkin, and then it got wet. And they were just like figuring out <laughs> as they were going along. I I'd also like to say normally I I would encourage you to watch this with with uh, you know subtitles, but this is one oh, where the dub beer. the dub is essential. The dub is so essential. Yes, it's yeah. The uh, the producer I believe it is uh, has just or the husband uh who i can't remember if he's a producer who knows uh has just the worst dub like oh my it's God. so incongruous with his his face and body <laughs> it's like uh, but i also recommend i also recommend watching this with beer 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 yeah. definitely you need about six. i think carolyn monroe who plays the say he she's like the the woman that the husband is cheating with who wants who wants the role who's trying to subvert uh you know kind of she she's backstabbing a little bit um she might be the only person in the main cast who's speaking English, frankly. Everyone else, I think, is dubbed mm -hmm. and not dubbed with any particular care. No, no. Well, And, and the, the husband, I think my two favorite things about him is, one, there's a scene pretty early on where the wife is, is she's like, oh, God, I saw Lavana in the mirror. Ah, she's like freaking out. <laughs> and you, so you watch this scene play out, and clearly the actor... Like, his body language is communicating that he's trying to be comforting and tell her, like, hey, you know, it was probably nothing. Don't worry about it. But the guy who does the dub is, like, doing it in a real, like, listen, you dumb bitch. It's fine. You didn't see anything. <laughs> so you have these two disparate things going on. It's like, what the fuck the, the movie, is going on? The movie has this, like, like, energy of, like, you're never quite sure. Is it ambiguous or is it lazy? Which, uh, you know, is something, again, I, I associate with a lot with Cozy, who... Frankly, I'm pretty sure, you know, is working. No, no one gave him a lot of money. 
you know but um there, there's one dream sequence where their their fridge shorts out and the fridge is broken and so the wife is calls a repair guy apparently they're, they're super wealthy like film people but they're going to repair their shitty little fridge rather than buy a new one which seems bizarre but whatever so they get the fridge repair <laughs> guy in and she's talking to the fridge repair guy and he's like, oh yeah, no, I fixed it, it's good as new. And there's a shot into the fridge, and the fridge is just, like, covered in black shit at the bottom, like something exploded there. And yeah. she's like, oh, that's good, great. And then it turns out later on that maybe he was never there, that it was a dream, and she doesn't know. But it's like, the shot in the fridge is a dead giveaway, like something's wrong. Or did they just not clean the fridge out from doing the, like, spark? Like, it looks exactly like it did when it shorted out. So it's like they didn't bother to clean it out or they didn't have time. They shot it the same day. There's just this confusing... And every time she opens it up, because she opens up the fridge, like, three times, and it's always smoking. Yeah. Just <laughs> smoke is pouring out of it. And it's like, is that... It goes her and her henchmen are yeah. in there. Yeah, it's, it's like, is, is that, is that uh, ambiguous or is that careless? I have no idea. I Who's to say? And and really, it doesn't make a difference. No, but not really. God, yeah, just listen to that husband, the way he says Lavana, and he just, he lets every single just letter and syllable just sharply fly off his tongue. He's always just like, Lavana, every single time he says it's it. It's so goofy as well, like the, the dinner, where it's like, so tell us your great movie, and it's like, oh, it's the most amazing movie ever. It's about a witch, and she's bad. And it's like, it, this is not a pitch for, like, there's no... Like the, the only the only appeal like they have an appeal to authorities like remember Suspiria that was great we're making a movie about a witch and that's it that's yeah. their she's plan. reincarnated and she was bad and now she's bad again because <laughs> she's alive again yeah wow this is you're really selling me on this one and they didn't even write a script they just they they, they wrote like a four page treatment based on the concept of there's a witch and she's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's what gets him a meeting with this producer. Yeah, of course, his producer, like, calls, I was like, I need something big. I can tell this. And then even tells them they cut through the bullshit. It's like, I guess they do by providing nothing, like the one nothing. line. <laughs> no bullshit there. Very little else yeah. either. I, I, I really, uh, this whole slate in general um, kind of gives us a nice bit of variance. And it wouldn't be complete without this cozy version uh which just like gives it that bit of like mayhem and uh the bit of like uh just you know everything we've been talking about that is from the italian film industry at this point that is like incoherent but you know it just has that 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 bit of uh sloppy fun that uh mm -hmm. i don't think you can find in any of the other adaptations sure. and it's worth noting i mean we're gonna switch back to another italian film but like Probably if you're actually really interested in the black cat and an Italian adaptation of that, like Sergio Martino's Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have a Key, which you wouldn't know from the amazing title. Which we talked about right, last year. That's right. That was talked about last year. That That, is, Check the that is actually a black cat adaptation. It's a lot of other things too, but, but that's actually a black cat adaptation in a way that this movie sure as shit isn't. So, you know, rope that one in if you haven't watched it. <laughs> I, I don't know. The... The Italians really, really like the Black Cat. That's the only thing I can gather from this. Uh, because, I mean, Fulci liked it so much, he basically did it twice, right? Because uh, right before his death, I guess that would have been like, what, like 89, 90, something like that, he made Cat in the Brain, which I think was his final film, yeah. uh, which is half Black Cat adaptation, half uh, Fulci clip show. Because, you know, the man knows how to use a budget. You know, why, why shoot more when you can just use the things you already made? over the course of a long and fruitful career. And then he actually made like a movie just called The Black Cat about what, eight years, seven years prior to that. So twice in the same decade, he made The Black Cat. And Argento made it, which we're not talking about here, but uh, yeah. And I think, Jack, you were saying the Argento version somehow outgores Fulci, which yes. is impressive. Yeah, no, I, I must say the, the Argento version, which is part of a Two Evil Eyes. So it's it's a like two part film and one part was written by George Romero. They're both Poe adaptations. So uh, uh, Romero adapts one story and Argento adapts another and Argento went with Black Cat. And his version is really good, actually, and, and surprisingly on on note with the original short story and it mostly encompasses the same material and it's got harvey keitel playing the drunk guy who hates cats so you know you're in for a ride 
Um, but yeah, it it is it makes the Fulci look uh, pretty reserved. Honestly, it almost outgores Stuart Gordon's version, which we're going to talk about in this episode too, which frankly is absurdly gory considering its tone in every other scene where there isn't violence it's like the masters of horror people were like no need more like it's a horror thing put it you like it's cable you can do it so just do it and it's the most absurdly violent thing you've ever seen in the context Argento's is even gorier than that frankly or it's certainly even more grotesque so do do mm-hmm. seek that out it's a lot of fun but uh what's his uh Fulci's uh the black cat is not on his usual par of gore. no no it's very reserved no. um by his standards which is odd considering the angle he takes here because he's just like mm-hmm. yeah what if what if we have a psychic murder cat what <laughs> okay sure These questions sure. everyone gets but to. we're gonna we're gonna downplay the gore we're gonna downplay it just a little so yeah i mean this is like um you know full she like not very gory movie is still quite violent it's not it is not not violent there, there's an enormous amount of injury and and misfortune here um but yeah this, this is this is a a quietly very odd film too unfolding in like quiet english countryside it was shot partly between england and italy i'm not exactly sure i think they just did external shots of like a small english village and the rest was in italy but uh, yeah, it, it's about uh, a bunch of people who are seemingly being murdered by a black cat, but it's being controlled by someone else. And it's pretty obvious who it is because there's this one crazy fucking guy who lives in the village. So um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that's the movie. It's pretty much it. <laughs> I, yeah, but I don't I know. Thought, see, I thought it was a red herring. It could have been, but yeah, you know, I suppose, I mean, Italian movies being what they are, they, they, they 100% the could do that. I don't think it really spoils anything to know. Like, which, which you know, the cat's not working alone. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, the cat looks decent, too. Fulci, not a man known for, uh, you know, decent-looking animal puppetry. Uh, I always think back to... The Beyond when the tarantulas I mean, are, are walking that, across he the la- floor. You say that, but he landed in court for lizard in a woman in a lizard skin, or lizard in a woman's skin. God, it's hard to keep these titles. Because there's a dead dog <laughs> in that that was so realistic, he got pulled oh, into yeah. court. So maybe maybe the Beyond, he was just like, don't make it too realistic. I don't want this to happen again. I don't want anyone to think <laughs> that I covered someone's face in giant spiders uh, yeah, you're, you're 100% please correct. go to your local italian dollar store and get me the worst thing you can find you are correct anyone look at the beyond will be under no uh no delusion that a real spider was involved at any point in that um incredible sequence so one of my favorites uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where this one falls in my black cat power rankings and it's pretty much right in the middle because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's it's not a bad movie by any stretch, but it it just it doesn't. Aside from being a little bit goofy, it doesn't have many hallmark, yeah, Fulci moments. It, it lacks, it's I think. Sort of yeah, there. I think it lacks Fulci's like the dynamism of his best work or the the standout parts. It's really well made. Like Fulci just knows yeah. how to make a movie. Uh, the shots and everything are great. I mean, but yeah, you know, you know, uh, you know right away that you're in the hands of somebody who knows what yeah. they're doing like there's this great uh sequence in the beginning of like a uh somebody riding a motorcycle and you get this pov shot and it's just like it, it's one of these simple things that's kind of it's hard to articulate outside of just being like oh okay this has a dynamism uh of of someone who is good at making movies yeah this this is the work of a consummate professional like full she knows right. exactly what he's doing it's staged beautifully everything looks great it just it lacks the, that kind of like extra tier that Fulci mm-hmm. like it lacks that final gear that Fulci normally can ratchet his material into where the storyline just kind of dematerializes and you're left on like the the weird precipice of the unknown like his his film his best work has that kind of feeling where you kind of it's almost like an out of body experience you're kind of like you don't understand you almost can't understand what the film is doing anymore but you're you're completely engrossed in it It like it just shrugs off story and logic and becomes just kind of this incredible sort of like echo chamber for emotion it's really like a really peculiar dreamlike is uh, you know a lot of you always hear Fulci films are dreamlike there's nothing really dreamlike in this movie i i think it's just it's very it feels quite straightforward so th- that is disappointing but at the same time it's also 
undeniably, you know, quite entertaining, very well made, looks great, has some entertaining kills in it. Um, yeah, you know, again, has very, very little to do with the Black Cat, but he does rope in a couple, like, the main <laughs> events of the story. Um, so, yeah, you know, depending on Steve's power rankings, whether it's a good movie or in any way related to the original Poe story, <laughs> uh, it ranks quite differently on those two factors. Mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta say that as far as having black cats in your movies go, I think Fulci's film is actually the best in that regard. Oh, sure. Because the black cat that they have in this, he's he's a fantastic little animal actor. Um, I just love the opening credit sequence of him traversing the rooftops and his little meow growling. But the best part is him lifting the bar into the barn so he can knock the drunk guy off the ledge and impale him on the spikes. Mm, that's that's yeah. just yeah, a fun I don't know how they, they must have just caked that in cat food or something because yeah that's really involved like honestly frankly this movie yeah you're right jake in terms of like cat acting this is like up with a long goodbye like this is a this is serious cat cinema yeah i mean i don't know how many cat oscars this this little (laughs) guy won but he deserves he deserves they have a palm dog but i do they have a palm cat i don't (laughs) think so and then maybe we need to fix Uh, that that's really sad I don't even know. I want to like IMDb this cat, but I'm I'm looking at the page and I don't see like a Mr. Whiskers on the cast cat page. So that's a shame. I'll have to I'll have to look a little deeper into this one. But shout out to the cat. He was great. Yeah, you're right. Great cat. Great fucking cat. Uh well, I mean, we we've talked about like you know the lack of accuracy in a lot of the adaptations <laughs> that we watched. But one of the other ones we watched, which I I don't even know how this one got on the list. Uh, I don't think it's like one of the better known adaptations, but I'm glad that we watched it. But Masters of Horror, which ran shit, uh, maybe not a decade ago, but damn near a decade ago on Showtime for a couple of seasons. Uh, basically, it's it's like a one hour show and uh, each episode is directed by a different famous horror director. So Stuart Gordon, who we all love, and his number one main bitch, which we know is Jeffrey Combs. They get together and they do a pretty respectable uh, by the books adaptation of the black cat. But Jeffrey Combs is completely off his fucking rocker. (laughs) This is like, because it really leans into the idea of, you know, like Poe as a writer, kind of inserting himself in a story. So this is about like, Oh, you know, he's got writer's block and he's uh, a big drunk and all this stuff. So, Basically, the main character, not in the Black Cat, the actual Poe story, but in this version, it is Edgar Allan Poe. And how does Jeffrey Combs play Edgar Allan Poe? Well, kind of like Foghorn Leghorn, (laughs) I guess, is the best that I can... But there's this whole sequence where he's drunk, and it it feels like it just drags on forever, but in a really good, weird way, where he's just chewing the shit out of the scenery. And he's in the bar... And he's just like, well, sir, sir, another bottle, sir, for me, sir, if I could bother you for another bottle. And the guy's like, no, you're drunk. I'm going to kick you out. Like, but pray tell, privy, if I could stand in this very room (laughs) upon one (laughs) finger, then you would let me stay. (laughs) I hate it so much. It's It's so so good. And then the guy (laughs) comes over and uh he goes now well sir would you like me to stand on my one finger and do this incredible feat and the guy just like points to the floor he goes where i I, be more specific and then he i'm getting a little harry (laughs) harry in there too and he just puts his finger down bill cosby (laughs) (laughs) you see there's so many layers of thread in this movie (laughs) theo vanessa and then he steps on his (laughs) finger and it's fucking great that he just gets kicked out of the bar. Um, and then at some point, he buries a hatchet into his wife's head. It's gory as fuck. So um, is it great? No, it's probably my least favorite of the ones that we watch. But also, I kind of love it in a weird way. I think this one is very much it's it's television and it has that kind of feeling as much as cable tries to dress it up. This is um, like I think Gordon does a good job, but he is very much faithful to poe he you know there's a little bit invested in this and that they make it they 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 frame it as an autobiographical and it's basically how poe got the idea for the black cat by dreaming up this whole story where he's descending into alcoholism although poe purely did descend into alcoholism um to some degree or another 
um and and but in this it's, it seems to be a dream of his and a, a maybe a fear and uh, everything happens as would happen in the short story uh, there's no real variation from the short story it really is very faithful to it and really just padded out by absurd portions of violence that seem like they were like uh, Stuart Gordon is no stranger to violence his movies are full of intensely gory sequences and he's fantastic at them but honestly this this honestly feels like it was imposed by someone above who's like no we're not making a masters of horror movie just so you can make the black cat and not have like not show us the axe going into his wife's face so they have to show it yeah. and it looks kind of ridiculous kind of rad honestly it's, it's early cg well not early but you know 2007 or whatever uh american cable tv cg so that's got to be worth something um and yeah it's yeah. it's like really this is the jeffrey Combs show and it's if you if you get behind his <laughs> weird nervous energy which i think honestly he's he's one of the best at delivering that like him and richard vidmark are like on their own little tier of like weird intense guys <laughs> you know like weird intense guys with a chip on their shoulder like you know short guy syndrome like they just seem like they're you know just like weirdly bristlingly antagonistic and you're never quite sure to gauge how crazy they actually are they both communicate that very well richard vidmark got to do it in some slightly classier movies i feel like than at jeffrey combs but so be it combs is great in some of the stuff that he's in he's really great here he like i really prefer Steve is not exaggerating his performance, but like honestly, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, he, I thought I did a pretty faithful yeah, no, recreation. It's, it's, it's pretty honestly. good. And like I say, like it's like he like, was yeah, here. And, and on the basis of if you were to do a book report and you were to watch this instead of reading the film or like reading the actual book, you might still pass based on this one. So that that's something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you say it, it's a dream sequence at the end, though, you might fail. I mean, because maybe. Because that's what ultimately happens. Yeah, maybe. Or you say, like, the main guy is Edgar Allan Poe. Although it is written in first person, so you could just... Yeah, it's like... It's a, it's autobiographical. Well, actually, his name is Eddie in the uh, in the episode. Yeah. Do they call Edward, people Ed, like Edgar? Do they call them Eddie back then? His w wife calls him Eddie throughout the whole thing. Well, yeah, but they're very close. His wife's also much younger than him. Was that a thing? I feel that was that. Oh yeah. Actually, that, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that was a thing. But she didn't uh, marry I think they his got cousin. married when he was twenty-six and she was thirteen. That's true. And I was just like, "What am I watching?" No, Is this no. I think, didn't didn't Poe marry? Didn't Poe marry his cousin? I'm not an expert on the biographical details. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's his cousin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah cousin. She was thirteen. That's all good. All good back then. They were good. Good oh, stuff. And, and here we are. Here we are giving uh, just him free publicity. Oh, it's mm. terrible. Mm. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. How how dare you, Sean, suggest that we <laughs> we visit revisit the works of Edgar Allan Poe? Every time uh, Kazi makes a residual dollar off of his adaptation, <laughs> you're basically encouraging the abuse. It's true, of but I, I'm not sure if Poe uh, mentioned Bill Cosby, which we have. <laughs> well, if you if you want to cancel the guy right here, Edgar Allan Poe married 13-year-old cousin Clem. That's right. After he had just been fired from the Southern Literary Messenger for on-duty drunkenness. Mm. Okay, so, so he got fired he got fired. He was dealing with a yeah, lot. He dealing with that. Yeah, you know, drink drinking on the job. And when you feel mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he gets fired. Have you guys ever been fired? Oh, yeah. It's not it's not no, you feel, feel bad. So, I mean, a 13-year-old, they're great at listening to adult problems. <laughs> yeah. You know, you feel a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and guys, guys, fellas, fellas, <laughs> how many times you get fired from your job, you have a couple of beers, <laughs> and then, oops, I married my cousin, and she's how old? I mean, we've all been there. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible, because nowadays society, I mean, if you listen to, to Boomer, society falling apart. Yeah, it really oh, is. Cool. It's uh, <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this one's good. Now you get this. This one, it's fun. Yeah, it's, this it's is yeah, not that good. Well, I, I think it's, it's good. It has one of the best like split head prosthetics <laughs> I've ever seen. That part's good. Yeah, it and, and I mean we we talked about how like Fulci's movie was maybe a little bit uninspired, but it looks amazing. Uh, this one, it looks like absolute <laughs> shit. 
Like, this is the definition I of, I don't like, remember it looking like that when I saw this years ago through some other thing. Like, it's only, it's streaming on Tubi or whatever for free right now. And yeah, Steve's right. It looks like someone sandpapered the color off the thing. It looks fucking awful. I don't remember it looking that I'm, I'm guessing that was entirely the t the, t per the, the TV production or the budget that they had with the show. Because I don't think they had a lot of room to work with there. It all mm -hmm. went into to combs hamming it up yeah like i i don't know maybe, maybe it did always look like that and i was just more used to shitty sepia tone color grading but yeah like it, it really looks like ass it's unpleasant to look at unfortunately mm -hmm. yeah well and you know the funny thing is we were talking about how this is you know compared to the other movies that we watch it's like oh well it's uh it's not bad it's pretty good it's not great it's you know uh, all these ad adaptations that we watch are, are pretty fucking solid and including, you know, this one to a degree, although it's probably the worst that we watched of, of the group. However, in, uh, in the world of masters of horror, when something's not fucking <laughs> terrible, that means it's a top five episode. That's true. So congratulations. I mean, I gotta say I'm, I'm a bit of a defender of Dario Argento's uh, contributions, which are pretty wild. Carpenter did some okay ones too, but yeah, the masters horror thing was yeah, really about it. Whew, there there were some issues throughout with that whole thing. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, uh Toby Hooper, Dance of the Dead Defenders. I'm not I'm not I, here for I kinda it, like that one. I also kinda like uh Carpenter's pro life. Carpenter ones I think thing. are pretty interesting. Yeah, the Carpenter ones are good. Carpenter ones are good. The uh the other Hooper one I think is not very good. If if I want to get oh, I don't the damn, I want to get cancelled if thing. I want to get cancelled oh, again thing, I'll, yeah. I'll say that John Landis's Dear Woman one made me laugh so that John Landis <laughs> that one's, is yeah that one's pretty shitty solid. as anyone you've ever met the only person that John Landis Although, may not be shittier than is his son and he still is because he killed some children so you know. yeah he actually killed kids it definitely killed children <laughs> yeah uh, you know the the thing is with Dance of the Dead though I, I'm I am not a fan and I'm sorry Scott Defoy shout out uh friend of the show <laughs> talking shit about hooper over here uh but i will say if you are wondering what happens when you cast robert england as an over-the-top villain and you never say no or dial it back this is what happens dance of the dead so there you go um yeah i, I don't know so i'm gonna say not a black cat adaptation but no. yes to my knowledge, although it has as much in common with the Black Cat as at least half the movies yeah, we watched. Yeah, I feel like you week, could just so. take any movie. Like, this could be a fan project. Just, just take any popular movie and just insert a credit that says inspired or suggested by the Black Cat and just see if anyone yeah. complains or notices. Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea. Well, I, I know we mentioned the Dario Argento adaptation. Is there is there any other version of this where if, if you got some real Black Cat heads out there... Uh, that, that'd be worth checking There's out. There's Corman's. Uh, so Roger Corman in 62 was kind of knee deep in adapting as much Poe as he could for uh, AIP, the American International Pictures, which was great, like just low budget horror genre kind of thing. They did, they, they like made original films. They also bought all like the Mario Bava movies and re-edited them. So rich, a rich storied history. Um, so he was, he made a bunch of like Poe adaptations and frankly, they're the ones I've seen. I've only seen like three of them so far, um, are all great. They're really strong. Um, and they're all with Vincent Price and Vincent Price is always worth the price of admission. Um, so Tales of the Terror. Price of admission. Yeah, exactly. Oh shit. I missed that. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we, we had Adam <laughs> fix this in post to make me sound funny. So, um, <laughs> so I've also heard that the, uh, the, there's a 1966 one uh, by Harold Hoffman that uh, I've heard uh, is interesting. I think it's very little seen, but uh, I might seek that one out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We also watched, uh, well, some of us watched uh, Rogel's uh, version, which uh, is from... 41? Is that from before? 41. So it's like seven years after yeah. Ulmer's and is also a universal production and is um and also has bella lugosi also has bella lugosi and it's uh it's pretty fun like it's it, it, it's nowhere like don't go expecting like ulmer uh type uh uh stuff but you know a lot of the horror or the universal like horror movies uh are just 
kind of a fun time with like very low stakes. Um, yeah, this one has again. It's got the real strong like uh, old house vibe, dark old house vibe, and it's, it looks beautiful. Yeah, I mean, all these yeah. movies. Like, what have we lost in like cheap cinema? Like Universal Studios, we're just like churning these things out pretty quickly uh like i mean and they were literally making like often two movies at a time like like spanish dracula was shot on the set of dracula at night uh you know and arguably a lot of people <laughs> say it's even better but you know they just the craft was there they just everyone knew how to make it look great i think this was i think this was shot by the same cinematographer as magnificent ambersons if i'm not mistaken so yeah, yeah it's, there's actually yeah. crap. Yeah, oh yeah, Stanley Cortez. Yeah, no, it it looks fantastic, and it's it's a really interesting balance in the Rogel one because it's it's really kind of a murder mystery story. The black cat element. It's basically about it's about a noble cat lady who gets murdered ultimately, and we're trying to figure out who does it. And there's just this great balance of like there's just a bunch of comedy in it. Um, I forget my name. The the name escapes me. There's one guy in there who. Was actually, who's yeah. actually the inspiration for Daffy Duck, you, which you, which was no, no surprise because he keeps just going woohoo, woohoo, <laughs> over and over again, which is what he did for forty <laughs> years on screen, and he just, he just goes on his own little tirades of com, like little comedy routines in the middle of scenes while other people are doing stuff. Yeah. Pretty much remind me like the Marx Brothers, where it's like, is anyone else, like, does anyone else in these movies hear these guys? Like they're just insane over <laughs> the side, but it's kind of a really fun element it's super entertaining and again it's like 60 it's 70 minutes long i think you know what well, who could complain and it's goofy again if you want to do a book report though you would fail yeah don't don't <laughs> definitely don't do a book there's there's really not a lot of good watch cozies <laughs> watch cozies yeah just if you're gonna fail swing for the fences. i think honestly i would pass a book report based on cozy's film if they could explain anything about what happens in that movie that would be worth it mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I have I have one more question about these movies, and it's specifically for you, Jake. Out of oh, sure. all of the black cats that we experienced, which one do you want to kiss on the nose and rub his tummy and tell me he's a good boy? Oh, uh, God, that's a great question. I would probably give it to the uh, the black cat in the 1941 Rogel film. That seems like a, a sweet boy or possibly mm. girl, because at the end we see him, we see them with a, a litter of new kittens. Oh, uh, so, so that looks like a very sweet black cat. Uh, and as much as I praised his performance, I would stay the hell away from Fulci's black cat because that sucker looks vicious. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Good choice. Yeah. All right, boys, well, we got to wrap this thing up. So, uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week? I'm going to put over some real highbrow cinema. I'm going to put over a Nightmare Sisters directed by David DeCocto from the oh 80s sometime. You're trying to inject some horniness into this week because none of these movies were horny uh, enough for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, what is this movie? Uh, David DeCocto had a house free for a weekend. So he just decided to rent a camera and he had three hot ladies, Linnea Quigley and Michelle Bauer and, and uh, Brink, so I can't remember her name, Scream Queens. If you watch a lot of 80s horror, you've seen them and you've seen them naked a lot. As the whole movie, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's a stupid movie. It's incredibly stupid. Uh, the first opening sequence, which uh, to like they had no money, so the opening scene is like ten minutes of two people talking, and it's awful. But once you get over that sequence, it actually becomes really kind of funny because it's just a really thrown together goofy movie with just an enormous amount of pointless nudity about sorority sisters who are possessed by an incubus. So yeah, Nightmare Sisters, it's fucking stupid. Great recommendation. I'll back that one as sure. well. Sean, what are you putting over this week? Um, well, it's difficult because I haven't watched a lot that isn't for this uh, podcast uh, recently, but I will put over my favorite uh, new film of the year, which is available on HBO Max. It is called Cry Macho, directed by uh, someone named Clint Eastwood, and uh, I believe he also stars in the movie. Um, Isn't he a Republican, uh, Sean? Double checked that. So I've heard yeah, he ma- he married a chair, and uh, I don't remember how old the chair was. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're, uh, it's like a an ideal uh, sleepy Sunday uh, afternoon watch. Uh, should I do it. All right, Jake, what are you putting over this week? 
Uh, I'm going to squeeze in two things. Uh, one, uh, No Time to Die is uh, now out in theaters. Uh, look for our uh, podcast coming soon. Uh, but two, I've been kind of, uh, when I've had time, I've been trying to watch new horror movies I have not seen this month. As we all know, it's October, Spooktacular, all that. And uh, one that really intrigued me I saw about a week ago was called The Entity from, I believe, 1982. It's uh, Barbara Hershey is a woman, lives in a home with her three kids, and at night she is uh, assaulted by an unseen force that seems to get into her house and attacks her and her only and she goes to see doctors and they can't really explain the phenomena because there's no signs of forced entry but uh, as the cases get worse they realize that this could be something supernatural she's dealing with it's really fucking great uh until the ending which kind of lets it down a little but uh, i really enjoyed it barbara hershey's fantastic and um, there's a, a specific sound cue that plays throughout the movie that Tarantino lifted for Inglorious Bastards. Uh, oh. That is your Easter egg hunt, should you choose to watch it. But uh, yeah, check it out. It's called The Entity. All right. Well, this week, uh, I'm also going to put over two things, because if Jake can do it, then why the fuck can't I, right? That makes sense. So first things Alpha first. Alpha move. <laughs> yeah, power move. Called uh, hosting privilege here. So first things first. Tears for Fears has a new song out. They got a new album coming out in February, and they released a single uh, last week. And uh, it's called The Tipping Point, and it's really good. It's really fucking good. So glad you're back, Tears for Fears. And in case you're wondering, that means, yes, there's going to be more uh, Tears for Fears podcast episodes. So uh, look forward to that, too. Now, the other thing that I need to put over is, did you know that someone gave Demi Lovato a four-episode uh, supernatural investigation show on Peacock because they did. And in the, uh, you know, the grand tradition of 1989's The Black Cat, this is some of the dumbest fucking shit I've ever seen, but it is so compelling. So compelling. So, um, yeah, if, if you like shows like Finding Bigfoot or those ghost shows where they just like stand in like a basement somewhere and just scream at ghosts, it's like that, but it's like Demi Lovato, and she's like, oh, I'm going to work through this ghost trauma. Uh, she also, like, you know, looks for space is, aliens. Is this a fiction show, or is she actually haunting super... She's doing this. <laughs> okay. she's, she's actually actually doing her. this. All right, great. Yeah. It's, it's like her and, like, her gay best friend, and they're just, like, just figuring it all out, so... Uh, the, the whole concept is it's a road trip with Demi, Le Demi Lovato and her posse, and they are just trying to answer some of the biggest questions in life that remain unanswered about extraterrestrials and the this supernatural. This is part of a long tradition because Ariana Grande got visited by a demon. So, mm -hmm. you know, from because mm -hmm. she went to that spooky graveyard in Oklahoma or something, or Kansas, I don't remember. It's a very haunted graveyard, and she got visited by a demon. So, you know, we got to yeah. keep her pop stars safe. We do, we do. But Demi Lovato, she's out there. She's courting it. She's courting the danger. So, uh, yeah, watch it. I, I promise you, it is the dumbest thing you will see, but it's so good because it's that perfect mix of, like, celebrity reality show where they, they live in a different reality altogether and the complete doofus conspiracy theory, alien hunting, Bigfoot hunting shows that I, I also enjoy. So it's the convergence of two different types of trash television and it makes a, a, a big doofus slurry, and I can't get enough of it. So check that out. All right, well, other than that, uh, I think that pretty much is everything. So, yeah, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, a couple things you can do. If you look in the description right now, there's a few links. Uh, one of them will take you to our Patreon, and you can give us money. How great would it be to give us money? I'm sure you're sitting around most of the day thinking, how do, how do I give these guys money? How do I do it? And the answer is, yeah, the Patreon. And you can give us, uh, you know, a couple bucks. You can, and I will send you, for any amount of money that you donate to the show, I will send you a movie in the mail. Okay? What kind of movie? You don't know. You have no fucking idea. But it's going to show up. What format, Steve? You don't know. Better, better get your, your fucking Betamax player out, because you could get one. You don't know what's going to happen, but you're going to get something. Now... If you donate at a higher tier, you can get your, your name right out on the show. So you could be the next Paula or the next Ryan, for instance, the next Dustin, perhaps, and get mentioned on this very show. Or 
at an even higher tier, you can dictate the content that we do for an episode. How exciting is that for you? Think about that. Controlling what Jack Eason watches. And if you want to, if you reach out to us, I can give you a list of the things that he dislikes the most in, in the world. So just throwing that out I'm there. I'm going to lie and... I hate Japanese classic cinema. Don't no, please. No Narusa, please. <laughs> I still want to get to like a certain amount where and then and then Jack has to join the Marine. <laughs> <laughs> That's our goal. <laughs> if we get to a thousand bucks a month, Jack has to join the Marines. Like I have to pay the Marines to put up with me. <laughs> it seems reasonable. All right. So uh yeah, other than that, give us money. That'd be cool. Um, if you have any uh, questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Uh, Adam Myros is probably sitting around refreshing that right now because he doesn't have fuck all to do anyways. Uh, or, you know, you can tweet at us, at optimismvaccine, and we would absolutely love to hear from you. Maybe. Depends on what you have to say, I guess. So with that, uh, Jake, last word's yours. Meow. Meow.